Greetings everyone and welcome to the Living Your Best Life in Africa podcast and this is episode number five. Thanks for tuning in and I hope you had a productive week. Now, this week, I want to talk about the concept of using your six to nine to transform your nine to five. In this session, we're going to look at the meaning of using your six to nine to transform your nine to five. Why, if you don't use your six to nine, you end up waiting to exhale like death warmed up in a job you hate what happens when we're not working on our greatness, where our greatness comes from. And the final thing we'll look at is how you can get on an easy starting point to your plan for living your best life in Africa by identifying your latte and double latte spending. So let's start at the very first point, the meaning of using your six to nine to transform your nine to five. Now, We know that the name of the podcast is called Living Your Best Life in Africa. However, we can't just dream about living our best life. No, we need to have a method, a kind of effort roadmap that will get us there. And I call that effort roadmap using your six to nine to transform your nine to five. Now, what do I mean by this? What I mean is that everything we talk about when we talk about creating businesses to make new money and the actions that we need to take to get us there will always be linked to using our six to nine to transform our nine to five. The things we focus on will always be linked to our recognition that whilst we are bringing in our daily, weekly or monthly bread from our plantation or rat race jobs, we have to use our downtime, our six to nine, to make that transformational magic happen. We have to use the small amounts of time we have left after doing our main job to start our transformational work. So when you start working at nine and you finish at five, there are bits of time left over at the beginning of the day and at the end of the day. And so what I mean by six to nine to transform nine to five is that six to nine represents the downtime. It represents the time when you're not on your core job. And that's the time that we have to put to work so that we can begin to plan to make that new money so that we can buy ourselves out of our jobs. We only get four weeks holiday a year. You can't build a business on 28 days holiday. So you have to try and use your downtime, the time when you're not at work and where perhaps you might be able to put other things on the back burner to actually focus on working a plan that will enable us to buy ourselves out of the job. Why is this important? Well, let's look at the second point I want to cover. Why waiting to exhale is like death warmed up when you are in a job that you hate. 
lots of people say, Dr. Asher, I don't have lots of ideas and skills that I can use to make money on my downtime. But my response is that I don't agree. I really don't agree. I think we have been so conditioned into believing that all we are and all we will ever be is the job we are paid to do that we've become almost frightened to think outside of the job, especially when we're thinking about how we're going to meet our bills and financial responsibilities. Remember, we talked a little bit about that in last week's podcast. I don't agree that all our job entitles us to do is to live for the weekends, to wake up on Monday morning and wish it was Friday and Friday afternoon at that. I don't agree. Our life has to be worth much more than the nine to five. As you know, I've spoken to a lot of people and I know lots of the people I've spoken to want something more in their life and don't want to wait until they are 66 or 68 years old or whatever age the government will say that we can retire before we exhale. I mean, imagine working from 16 years old until you're 68 before the government says, OK, you've paid enough into the pot and now you don't have to work anymore. People don't want to wait that long. Almost everyone that I have spoken to wants something more than this constant waiting to exhale, waiting for the life of your dreams to begin. But the realisation is that no one is going to get us there but ourselves. And to do this, we have to reach inside for our greatness. And there is greatness in each of us. And we have to transform that greatness into movable actions using our downtime, our six to nine. The third point I want to look at is what happens when we're not working on our greatness. Now, of course, I don't just mean that we have to work on our greatness during the hours of six to nine. Nah, the term six to nine is a metaphor for working on our greatness when we are not working in our plantation jobs. It means that whenever we have the time, the energy, the headspace, we should be focusing on working to free ourselves from the work ties that bind us to jobs we hate or lifestyles we want to be free of. Why is this important? Because for lots of people, it feels like it has never been more difficult to get well-paying jobs. The work is out there, but changing jobs often means taking less money or doing more for the same money. So some people stay in jobs they hate. They stay because it's better to be in a job that's half decent. Better to be working for the devil you know than to change jobs and get something worse or worse still, get nothing at all. But whilst it might be really noble of us to stay in that job, what this does to our inner self is to condition us into believing that there's no point in trying. You might as well just get on with it. But more and more we are finding ourselves challenging that feeling, that belief. Much more things are happening in the workplace than ever before to upset our day. And when we get a pile of upset, we start asking ourselves the question, why am I putting up with this? I'm just going to leave. And in some cases, we do leave. But when we leave our jobs without a plan and the first big bill comes in, we are often faced with the regret of what we convinced ourselves was a hasty decision. 
We scold ourselves saying that we should have just put up with it and got through the day. But that is easier said than done. When we don't have a plan, we are working in the background. So when we are not working on our greatness, it means we don't have a get out of jail plan. We just have the plan to go to work. And when things go wrong and you have nowhere else to go, it almost reminds me of when we were younger and, you know, we used to get into arguments at home and we used to think, gosh, you know, I wish I had my own place. And then you leave home without a plan and you end up sofa surfing and you think to yourself, was this really a great idea? So when we leave our jobs without a plan, it feels like sofa surfing because you just end up job surfing. So in most cases, we don't leave we mutter silently under our breath as the extra work is put on us again. And don't forget, we're already working for less money doing the same job as our colleagues. And that liberty is taken with us again and again. Or the racism is thrown at us again and again. And we just stay. And the cycle of low morale, low pay, underemployment, unemployment keeps running over and over again. And the reason we don't have a response to it is because we are not working on our greatness. Now, I've been a talk therapist for over 20 years. I've worked with children right through to elders, helping them to organise their thoughts into meaningful progress in their lives. And throughout the years, I've noticed that the demand for the service has not gotten any less. In fact, it is increasing. As more people feel trapped, the stress of the claustrophobic workspaces we find ourselves in brings up all kinds of frustrations. And when we take those frustrations into our private lives, into our homes, and into our relationships, we bring instability. And it's not just instability in our home environment. It's instability in our minds and in our emotions. I mean, imagine a situation where in your family home, you are a king or a queen. But when you go to work, you're treated like the local boy and girl. The one thing we can always say about African people is that it doesn't matter what job we are given to do. We do that job with pride. But when you have to pick up other people's rubbish and sweep up other people's mess... And then somebody walks past you and instead of putting their drink tin in the bin in front of them, they throw it on the floor so that you have to pick it up. Imagine what that does to your emotions and to your mind when you go home and you're expected to be the king and the leader or the queen and the mother. And these are the kinds of things we put up with when we don't have a plan. No one knows what it's like to suffer those indignities and how the feelings that come from this can really mess with your mind and play tricks on your emotions. And I'm saying that we can change this state of affairs immediately if we have a plan, if we have a vision, if we are working towards living our best lives and if we know that our downtime is the time for us to be working for our future joy. And this is the start of where our greatness comes from, which is the fourth area that I want to talk about. 
You're a rare and lucky worker if you work for a boss, a company or an organisation where you are told on a regular basis that they want you to be happy, they want you to win, they want you to develop and they want you to live your dreams. These experiences are very rare for black workers. You may only know one, possibly two people who feel like this about their day job, their nine to five. But I know many, 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 many more people who don't feel like this. What is more likely is that you're working in an environment where you feel constantly devalued. And when you go home and you sit down in that sofa, it's then that you think about wanting to live your best life. But instead of letting those emotions be a motivating factor, we use it as a demotivating factor. Instead, our starting point should be to identify our greatness within. What do I mean by that? If we're going to create plans that we can use to make new money, to buy our way out of the malaise that we feel, we have to look at what we can sell. Remember, we talked about this in last week's episode. Now, I'm not talking about selling your furniture or your old clothes or shoes, although there is a business there if you're minded to go down that road. I'm talking about being able to tap into the greatest marketplace there is, which is the online market. And last week, we looked at three types of online markets. The virtual shop window for selling things that you make, the online publishing of books across several formats, and online course creation. Now, number one is self-explanatory. If you're great at making things, then you already know the path your greatness needs to take. If you can make things, you can sell what you make online. To make headway with two and three, that's online publishing and course creation, you have to understand that the greatest selling product in these areas is content. What is content? I can hear some people asking. Content is simply what you know about certain topics or areas of interest. It's stuff you know that others might want to know. It's gems of information you might have that might help someone else to elevate their life. It's your life experiences that might help someone to battle through a certain situation with your help. But to step into your greatness, to get yourself a plan for making new money using content, you have to know how to put your content in a marketable format, a sort of packaging of what you know. When you start to try to identify your greatness, identify what you're good at, what you're great at, what you know, then you have to identify where your content might come from. And what I want to go through quickly now are these seven areas that you can begin looking for your greatness, your content, your expertise. The first area is your skills. Can you do something in a way that others might want to know about? The second area is your knowledge about certain things. Can you help people to get around a certain problem or help people to learn to do something? Your experiences is the third area. 
Can you help people cope with a particular life challenge? There are many people who have gone through certain things and have no idea that if they can get their experiences into content and then put that content into a marketable format, that there are people queuing up to buy what you know, to buy your experiences, to help them to shortcut pain or to shortcut frustration or to shortcut problems so they can get on the road to happiness. The fourth area is your talents. Were you taught to do something which you can now teach others to do in a way that is more enjoyable or in a more accessible way? The fifth area is your interests. Do you have any interest that has seen you search for things in a particular way that if you share with people, you could save them time, money or mistakes? The sixth area is your hobbies. Do you have a hobby you want to share with people? Because there are others who share the same hobby and might want to know what you know. Or there might be people who are interested in getting into that hobby who would love to read your content or take your course because that would give them a jump start into that hobby area. And the seventh area is your habits. Do you have good or bad habits that could help people to deal with certain life situations? What if you're a smoker? And you found a unique or novel way to give up smoking. Do you know how many people would pay for that information if you got that information into a marketable format and then put it online where people could access it? They'd be queuing up at your door. These seven areas are where our greatness starts. That's your skills, your knowledge, your experiences, your talents, your interests, your hobbies and your habits. If you can dig into the corners of your mind and find your greatness in one or several of these areas, then you are on the road to beginning to put together a plan for starting a small business or side hustle that can help you to make new money. Let me use myself again as an example. You know, I like to do that because, you know, I like to chat, right? I found myself helping others with problems they were facing at work. I was somebody who joined the trade union, left the trade union, joined the trade union, then left again after staring at my navel for a while, disillusioned with what I was getting and telling myself constantly that I could do things better. I was passionate about employment rights, so I did my research and I knew just from all the reading that I did that if I could get everything that was in my head into a marketable format, I could make a business from what I knew, from my knowledge. So eventually, after looking into the area, I set up my own business as an employment rights advocate, selling content about employment rights in the form of books, courses and online consultancy and advocacy services. Now, I know all of this might seem a bit scary and out of reach, but I assure you it's not. Let's not underestimate the time it takes to get a business off the ground and the time it takes to grow that business so you are making enough money to buy yourself out of your nine to five. It does take time. But what I want you to imagine is that you are making a three to five year plan to buy yourself out of your job. If you can visualise that plan, 
then what you are doing is telling yourself that you are giving yourself the time to grow your business using your six to nine, your downtime, whilst you remain in your nine to five, the job or life that you want to change. You're also giving yourself time to transform your mindset. So instead of waking up asking yourself whether this is all your life will ever be, you transform your thinking, slowly telling yourself that your plantation job is working a plan for you. Your plantation job is supporting you to drive your vision of living your best life. And when you think of your job in this way, in a way that supports your end game, you'll find that something changes inside of you. You begin to feel that there is a point to doing that job. That's why sometimes you can see people, they're sweeping the streets, but they're singing and they're happy. And you know that they've got a plan. People think, oh, look at them in that lowly job. But really, that person has got a plan. They've probably got two or three jobs like that. And they're making money and they're probably using that money to set up something to buy their freedom. You can begin to feel like that every day if you change your mindset and start stepping into your greatness. Because when you do that, you begin to grow in having faith in yourself that if you continue to take small steps as often as you can, the next three to five years will come round really, really quickly and you will be ready to jump out of that job as soon as the opportunity arises. How do I know that? Because that's what I and thousands of other people have done and continue to do every year. Don't believe me? I mean, just think about the things that you've spent your money on over the last year. The books you've read, the videos you've watched, the people you've followed online, the amount of things you do, watch, read and laugh at on social media. All of these are examples of people who have found a way to get their content into your hands. They have found a way to keep you interested in what they have to say. And every time you engage with that interest, they make money off their content. It's as easy as that if you're prepared to put the work in. There's a ton of stuff you know in those seven areas that we spoke about earlier. But the key point is your level of commitment. Do you want to change? Do you choose change or do you commit to change? For change to happen, you have to commit unreservedly to that change and then take the steps you can to keep moving forward in pursuit of that change. And when you're looking at stepping into your greatness, one of the things that you should always be thinking about is your own niche. Your niche is like your uniqueness. And George Sabira tells us in his book, The Black Folk's Guide to Making Big Money in America, that when we are thinking about our businesses, we have to think about being creative. We have to focus on what makes our businesses stand out. That's what niching is all about. And Sabira helps us to understand this by telling us about three distinct ways that we can make our businesses work. We can have a business that does an uncommon thing in an uncommon way. 
or we can have a business that does a common thing in an uncommon way. Or thirdly, we can have a business that does an uncommon thing in a common way. These three areas, Sabira tells us, will bring additional creativity to our thinking so that our businesses stand out from the way other businesses are operating. So let me take myself as an example. I did a common thing in an uncommon way. Employment rights is a common thing. There are about 6.2 million people who are members of a trade union or trade association. Many of those people are unhappy with the service they're receiving, so they are my market. But my market is also the other 26 million people who are in work and are entitled to some employment rights in their jobs. Now, what I did with that common service is to begin to deliver employment rights in an uncommon way by moving the service online. And in doing that, I brought a uniqueness into my business because I suddenly made employment rights accessible to everyone in work who uses the internet. And for me to make money, I only need a fraction of the total workforce of 32.6 million, and that's only in the UK, to buy my content and support me to live my best life. It's as simple as that if we do the maths on the customers we are trying to attract to our niched business. And when we're thinking about the areas that you might want to start your side hustling or your small business, then that's where you have to start. You have to start looking at a niche for yourself. Can you do an uncommon thing in an uncommon way? Or can you do a common thing in an uncommon way? Or can you do an uncommon thing in a common way? That's where we have to start. Now, I appreciate that some of us might need easier starting places. So here's the fifth point I wanted to cover. If you want a simpler place to start and save money, then we can do some simple maths by looking at our own spending with a view to changing our spending habits to try and increase the amounts we save. If we can do that, we can have a little money to put aside to start our side hustle and small businesses. To make a start in checking our lattes and double lattes, and if you know what a latte and double latte is, these are like really expensive coffees. We need to look at what we're buying and whether we can buy this thing cheaper or do without it. So we can put that money in our living my best life pot. Latte and double latte spending represents the money we spend out of habit. Money we spend routinely without even thinking. Like the money we might spend, as I said, on buying a coffee on the way to work every morning out of habit. When we could be buying a thermos mug and making our own coffee from home or doing without it altogether. When I was starting my business, I took this latte and double latte challenge and I've included the form for the latte and double latte challenge as a free download that you can get by clicking on the link in the show notes. But as I said, when I started my business, I took this challenge and I found out that I was spending tons of money on magazines every month. I mean, I absolutely loved magazines You know, I love the feel, the touch, the smell of them. And I used to buy loads of them every month. 
I had no idea that local libraries had online magazines that I could download to my devices and read for free. No idea. I had no idea that, in the words of Sabira, libraries were doing a common thing, taking books and magazines and delivering it to customers in an uncommon way, providing the magazine as a downloadable magazine that I could read on my phone, on my tablet or on my laptop. I had no idea. So as you can imagine, once I found this out, I stopped buying magazines and I joined a local library and the money I was spending, I saved up. And eventually I was able to use that money to buy new equipment and software that I then used to start my business. I mean, can you imagine? It was a total mind blowing eye opener for me. You know, one of these days I'll have to take a picture of the magazines I have left so you can see that I was obsessed with these things. My house was stacked with magazines, the money that I spent. And then to realise that all of that money I could have been saving because almost all of the magazines that I was buying are available online and 80% of them are free and I don't mind paying for the 20% if I can get the 80% free and to this very day I still use an app called RB Digital which is a local library app to get my magazine fix and it's the best thing that I ever did and it has saved me an absolute fortune. So I'm encouraging you to take the latte and double latte test yourself and see if you can make any kinds of savings on your spending. As I said, I've included a download with the latte and double latte form enclosed and it gives you some information about how to use the form and also gives you the form so you can take the latte and double latte challenge. I'd really be interested to know what savings you're able to make. Maybe you'll discover an old gym membership that you've never used but you're still paying for or some other monthly payment that you started a few years ago and have just forgotten about because it's coming out of your account as a direct debit. Use the form to help you to uncover these unnecessary spendings and instead of just incorporating that money into your normal spend... Transfer it to another bank account and let that money grow there. And in a few months time, have a look and see how much money you've been able to save. Heck, you can even post your savings on the Facebook page because I sure would be interested to know whether you've been able to make any savings. So those were the key things that I wanted to mention this week with the focus being on using your six to nine, your downtime to transform your nine to five, your core work time. And if we focus on our greatness and those seven areas that make up areas where we can be great, remember that's your skills, your knowledge, your experiences, your talents, your interests, your hobbies and your habits, 
then we are on the road to beginning to put together the threads of a business that can help us to make new money so that we can eventually, after three to five years, be able to buy ourselves out of our dumb jobs. I hope you've enjoyed the episode this week. It's really, really good to talk to you and I really appreciate the time you take to listen to what I have to say and I look forward to speaking with you next week. Have a wonderful week and I'll see you in the next episode. Bye for now.